Tonight's reading is from 1 Colossians 15 to 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I remember really clearly my first day at uni. I'd just woken up and the Taunton Premier Inn. Now, when you come from Guernsey, there's always an overnight stay needed somewhere. But I woke up and I was really excited. I was really excited because I had a new phone, a, uh, a brand spanking new Nokia 6610i, complete with colour screen, and get, get this, 50 free messages. Like, what a device, what a deal. Um, but I was also excited because I was going to Exeter to, to study a subject I loved, uh, sports science. But I'd be, be lying if I said I wasn't a bit nervous as well. I mean, actually, I, I hadn't gone to any university open days, so I hadn't even seen what Exeter looked like. But also, I, I kind of, I'd heard lots of you know, really exciting things about what uni life might be like. I, I'd, I'd got in touch with the Christian Union. But I was still anxious. I hadn't really left Guernsey for more than two weeks. My home felt small. I felt quite little and my faith felt quite weak. Now maybe you're feeling the same way about going to university or or maybe actually you feel that way about something else. going into work for the first time or, or just going into work of becoming a parent or grandparent or a myriad of other situations when we, we feel that, that life is big and Jesus is small well if, if that's you and I, I suspect that at, at least at one point or another that's all of us then I really hope that Colossians 1 will be a tonic to our anxious hearts. So as we start this evening, let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you so much for these words in Colossians 1. Thank you that they are well-known, beloved words. But Lord, we pray we wouldn't simply hear them, we would take them to heart and build our life upon them. Amen. Now, the situation in Colossae uh, is a little bit different to, to what I've described. Um, rather, the situation in is that a group of people have come into the church and said, look, it's really great that, that you've got Jesus, that you love Jesus, but to be a, a fully endowed Christian, uh, you need something more. You're, you're lacking something. Now, we don't quite know exactly what that is, uh, but we can sort of glean bits from, from the letter. It, it could have been that uh, there was sort of a Jewish legalism coming in. Uh, to be a real Christian, you've got to follow these uh, food laws and do these things. 
or, or it could have been a, a Gnostic teaching. A Gnostic simply means sort of knowledge uh, and saying, look, to, to be a real Christian, you need special uh, supernatural knowledge. Now, when faced with this false teaching, Paul had a few options. Uh, he could have sort of taken it point by point by point and just, just pulled it down, just destroyed their thinking. He, he could have done that. But instead he did something else. Instead of pulling down their teaching, he just lifts up Jesus. Uh, he shows Jesus to be the great king he is. So that to suggest that you need anything other than Jesus is just laughable. It would be a bit like saying, look, um, to, to be a, a British citizen, uh, you need a passport. But, but you don't simply need a passport, you, you need to be drinking tea as well. I mean, that's laughable, isn't it? If you've got one of these, then you're a British citizen. You have all you need here. You don't need to drink tea as well. It is laughable to suggest that. that Jesus alone is able to save. Jesus alone is able to destroy sin and death and to literally bring us from death to life. Jesus alone can do that. We don't need anything else. And so if that's true, if Jesus can do that, then surely he is enough for our anxious hearts. Surely he is enough when we feel that the world is big and we are small. Surely Jesus is enough. But still need convincing? Well, let's dive into Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. So here's the first thing. Verses 15 to 17. Uh, Jesus is the centre of creation. Has anyone told you or asked you, I believe in God if I saw him. If I saw him, that would change everything. Just listen to verse 15. The Son is the Im- Son, that is Jesus. The Son is the image of the invisible God. The image of the invisible God. Uh, that word image is a bit like saying um, the picture you get on a coin. That's the image of the Queen. It's her image, it's her authority. This coin comes with her authority because it bears her image. Uh, The son bears the image of God. He has the authority of God. But more than that, it it conjures up sort of us thinking of Genesis 1.27. Those words where we hear, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Uh, But here in Colossians, uh, Jesus isn't simply copied in the image of God. No, he is the image of God. Uh, That is to say, if we were to look at Jesus, we'd be looking at God. Uh, So the person who says, look, I I believe in God if I saw him. Well, if they'd lived when Jesus did, where Jesus did, they would have seen God. They would have. But Paul continues, uh, Jesus is God, but more than that, he is the, the firstborn over all creation. 
Uh, this doesn't mean that Jesus was the, uh, the first created being. No, as we say in the Nicene Creed, uh, Jesus was begotten, not made. And that word begotten means became. Uh, Jesus was always the Son. He was always God. He simply became flesh. He became man. He wasn't made man. No, Jesus is not the first created being. Uh, this is not language of creation. This is language of inheritance. Jesus is the one who is the firstborn who will inherit all things. Uh, he owns all things. Jesus is the centre and the one who owns all things. But Paul keeps going, these descriptions. Jesus is not simply God. He's the one who created all things. Just at this moment, just have in your mind's eye. Just think of somewhere like uh, the Bull Ring in Birmingham, or West Quay Shopping Centre in Southampton, or, or Brighton Pier, or the canals in Cambridge. Perhaps think of that place where you think that the world is big and Jesus is small. Have that in your mind's eye, and then listen to verse 16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. All things have been created through him and for him. Those places that you're imagining, all those places have been created by Jesus. The places where you feel small and the world is big has been made by Jesus. Not simply made by Jesus, but actually is for Jesus. He made it. He has absolute authority there. And there's a Dutch theologian called Abraham Kuyper, who incidentally was also the Dutch Prime Minister for four years, and an editor who created his own newspaper. But he said this. He said, uh, There is not a square inch of the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. The university you are headed to, the workplace you commute to, the social club you attend, the sports stadium you play in, the restaurants you eat in, the beaches you relax on, the hills you walk on, the places you go where you feel small and the world feels big, there is not one square inch to which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. He created it, verse 16. He, he is still sustaining it, verse 17. It can sometimes feel, can't it, that, that Jesus sort of took a really big spin of the world and just set things into action and now he, he's left it alone. But Jesus isn't like that. Verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Uh, he, he proactively sustains the world. Every part of the world is kept by Jesus. So that means that every person that you meet 
Jesus is proactively sustaining. Every student, every lecturer, every shopkeeper, every bus driver, every politician, every queen, every colleague, every friend, every family member is being sustained and kept by Jesus, whether they realise it or not. When you see Jesus, you see God. When you see Jesus, you see the one who owns it all. When you see Jesus, you see the one who made all people and places. When you see Jesus, you see the one who sustains all things. If you have Jesus, how can you lack anything? Jesus is the centre of creation. But there are two more things that we can see. Uh, the first part of verse 18, verse 18a, Jesus is the centre of the church. Jesus is the centre of the church. Seeing as we, we uh, live in Brighton and Hove, it, it, it seems appropriate that we can talk about Brighton Rock at some point. Now sadly I, I don't have any, the, the pier was a, a little bit far uh, for me to go. But I'm sure uh, we've all seen rock, we may have even all had rock. And you may even know where I'm going with this illustration, which is a good thing. But just like uh, you take a stick of rock and you can cut it at any point uh, and you see the same letters all the way through, well, in the same way, if you take a church, if you cut it at any point, you should see the same thing all the way through. A church should be, when it's cut, should bleed Jesus. A church should be all about Jesus because he is the head He is the head, verse 18. Jesus is the centre of the church and to build the church on anything other than Jesus is just like trying to, to build a house on jelly. It just won't work. It will crumble and collapse and not hold. So what does that mean? Well, well it means that if you ever find yourself um, in the position of looking for a new church then make sure it's a Jesus church. Make sure it's a church that, that unashamedly puts Jesus as its head. Make sure it's a church that, that, that longs to, to build up the body in the head, to mature the body in Jesus, to help them be rooted and grounded in his word, so that we may know Jesus and love Jesus, our head. Uh, so to that end, j- just as you come to, to look at churches, uh, ha- have this in mind. Have these uh, three layers in mind. Uh, essentials, convictions and preferences. Essentials, convictions and preferences. And they are very much uh, in that order. So firstly, uh, essentials. Uh, does this church hold to the historic gospel as, be- has, as has been faithfully passed down? Do they long that people will put their trust in the saving work of Jesus and his work alone? And is Jesus' word the centre of all belief and behaviour? Do they hold to the essential gospel? If the answer to any of those questions is no, then that is not a place for you to go. That is not a place where you grow up. But then... 
come down a level to convictions. Convictions are issues that are important, issues that the Bible speaks about, but that Christians may disagree over. So, for example, um, should you baptise babies or not? They're not essential, but they do matter. And then come down a level again to preferences. What sort of music do they play in the church? What time is their service? How close is the church to where I live? Now we're fortunate in this country that there are many, many churches that hold fast to the essential gospel. But if you were to speak to my friend uh, who lives in Turkey, then he would say your choice of churches that hold to essential gospel be far, far smaller. But those are the churches you must go to, even if they don't fall into your preference. So if we ever find ourselves in a situation of looking for a church, let us be sure that we are not led by our preference or even by our peers. Let us be led by those that hold to the essential gospel. Then those that might share our conviction. And then lastly, our preferences. Jesus is the head of the church. But then lastly, the second half of verse 18, 18b to verse 20. Jesus is the one who can bring you home. Jesus is the one who can bring you home. At the beginning we, we said that um, Jesus was, was enough. He is enough. Uh, to be a fully endowed Christian you, you simply need Jesus. And here is the reason why. Verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile himself all things, the things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This man, Jesus, is the one who made all things. The one who sustains all things. He is the head of the church. This man reconciles, that is to say, reunites all things by dying on a cross. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter who you live with. If you love and follow Jesus, he will reconcile you to God. And then verse 18b, he will bring you home. That's what it means by uh, Jesus saying he's the firstborn from among the dead. It means that Jesus was the first to rise, not to life, but to life eternal. And because he did that, so will you and me. Just imagine it this way. If this piece of paper is death, and this pencil here is Jesus. It's as if Jesus was the first one to go through death. But as he does so, he pulls through his church. He pulls through those that are his. Jesus was the first one to go through, but then he pulls through his church. Isn't that amazing? Jesus has risen to life eternal and all those that trust him will follow him into that life. Jesus will bring you home. But let's just ground this a little. 
See, if Jesus is the one who, who made the stars and the planets and holds them in his hand, if Jesus is the one who, who took on the powers of, of death and sin and destroyed them so they no longer have any hold over him, if Jesus is the one who, who can bring you through death into his kingdom, into a kingdom there's there's no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, then Jesus is able to hold you when you feel anxious and scared and alone. Jesus, will, when you walk into your first lecture, in person or online, Jesus will be there with you. When you go to the doctor and hear news that that is not good, Jesus is there with you and is able to keep you. Jesus is able to sustain you when you can't come to church because of COVID. Does that mean that today there'll be no more tears or worries? Well, no, but because we're not in Jesus' kingdom yet. We're fixing our eyes on there. We're looking ahead to it, but we're not there yet. So there may be tears, there may be anxieties. Does that mean that Jesus can't hold his people? Does that mean that Jesus is not in charge? Absolutely not. Jesus is king. He's the one with all authority. There is not one square inch of this world that Jesus does not cry mine. Whether that's university, the work or the home. He has complete supremacy. So come to him. Cast your burdens on him, for he cares for you. You see, I I know that that being worried is, is a natural part of life. If you feel anxious, you're not failing as a Christian. You're not being weak in faith. Actually, it's a reminder that we are not God. It's a reminder that we are creatures who need our Creator's help. It's a reminder that we are little people in a big world. And there are lots of things that we cannot cannot control but it's what we do with those anxieties that really counts I hope this evening that we've seen that that Jesus is the king who who can hold and keep you he is big enough he is here with you now and he's going to be with you wherever you go he's not simply a crutch to, to lean upon when times get tough and then to let go when we feel okay. No, he is our lifeblood, our foundation, our very life and hope. <laughs> and there's no better hope to have because you cannot encounter a situation that he is not lord over. So when you think of your halls of residence or the SCR, or the office, or your home. Jesus is Lord over all of it. You are never alone. 
Jesus, our King, the Sovereign Supreme One, is with you. Have confidence. Have faith. Have trust. And live for him. Make him number one at uni, at work, at play, at home. For he is Lord. Let's pray as we close. Loving Father, we thank you so much that Jesus is Lord. Thank you there is not one square inch of this world where he does not cry mine. Help us to trust him and to be encouraged by him today. Amen.